Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. So, without further ado, meowdy folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities, and all opinions are the speaker's own. This is a live stream podcast recording that will be distributed in the future, and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. To ask a question, please write in the chat or the AMA channel on Discord, and a moderator will pass it to us if they deem it relevant to the conversation. So, hello everyone. My name is Gender Meowster. I'll let my guest introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Lyric. Some people online most likely know me. If you've ever seen me anywhere as Neurodivergent Rebel, my pronouns are they, them and I'm a little bit everywhere. Do you want me? Do you want more or just that bit right there? Is that? Is that it? You can tell us. <laughs> you can tell us the places you are if you would like. That's totally fine. Oh, right now I'm unfortunately in the middle of Texas, and I have been here all of my life with huge aspirations to get as far away from here as possible, as soon as possible. <laughs> That's the RV lifestyle. That is wonderful that you have the chance to run away. Hopefully soon. <laughs> It um, just keeps getting worse. <laughs> I I forgot to mention that my pronouns are they, them. They're on the screen, but I know that some people will only hear this with their ears later. Cool. Just for funsies, are there any special interests that you have that you feel like telling us as a warm-up? Yeah. We'll get into I, some of them as the topic of today. But. Oh, for sure. So I'll say ones that I know aren't going to be covered later. To avoid to skip to spoilers, I will say... I have been obsessed with dogs and everything related to dogs and dog and animal behavior since I was a very small child, which has evolved into my obsession with human behavior. It's like those little random obsessions can become bigger obsessions that are pretty useful because my obsession with human behavior is why I've got my blog and everything else that happened today. So yay for being obsessed with things. (laughs) It's fun having intense passions about things, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's, I'm so over being told that it's like a bad thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's, I can't let things go, but it's also like my biggest strength. I hear that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like having, I feel like having special interests just makes life more interesting. I know for me, like Mm -hmm. I can like hyper fixate on a thing and like, then I'm like, wow, where did the last four hours go or 16 hours or whatever. (laughs) It's so fun. Time stopped. I was in a tunnel. I have no idea what century I'm in. (laughs) What even is time anyways? I don't know. So you are, in my opinion, a pretty prolific advocate for neurodivergent awareness and learning and all kinds of things. On the, the rare occasion I check Facebook, I almost always see one or more of your posts and they're always insightful and wonderful. Totally. Oh, it's so much fun. I'm like, yeah, look at that person being so cool. Go person. <laughs> I was oh, so gosh. I was so thrilled when you responded to my email uh, seeing if you'd like to be on the show sometime. Oh, really. I was honored. It sounded like fun, so I'm glad we get to come do this. And so far it's been fun. So I mean when someone tells you that the tech rehearsal was fun, that's a good sign. <laughs> oh yeah. Cuz I know tech can be stressful for people sometimes. But very low key. No it. stress. My wife in the chat, Trans Capybara, says I really like their Facebook posts. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so glad they're useful. I try to do useful or helpful or something. Or or sometimes I just need humor and so then we all need a little bit more of that. So totally. <laughs> useful, helpful, brighten your day. <laughs> so it's so wonderful. I love it. So on that topic. So we're talking a bit about neurodiversity and gender fluidity today for those who are just joining us. I'm curious, what are some of your favorite parallel play activities? Oh, so are we talking about now as adults? Because I think we should always like continue to play and that never, yeah, never stops. Totally. Or, okay. I was like, are we talking about adults or young people? You know, I'm talking so many about options there. as an adult personally. As an yeah. adult. Yeah. Like my partner and I, 
we're both neurodivergent and both are people that tend to hyper fixate on things. So being able to like, one of us will be studying whatever our current thing that we're into is on YouTube and we'll be doing that. And then the other might be studying something else. And like, we're sitting in the same room and we're learning about different things, but we're learning together. And then I'll stop and, oh, I learned this really random thing about this thing. And I'll share my info bit and we'll share it back and forth. And so we will do co-studying, which is like play as an adult. But then you know, there's also things like I, I have my whole history where I was doing flow arts and circus arts and hula hoop dancing oh, and fire so cool. spinning. And so those are fun things that you can do next to or with someone that they may be doing a totally different flow, but we're all jamming and listening to the same music and flowing together, but we're not doing exactly the same thing. We're doing what we love. I, I think those would be like some of my favorite things or anything with music, like anything with music, like That's music so is my soul. <laughs> I love that. Some of my favorite activities, let's see, I'm going to write down to ask about music because there's two threads I want to pick up there. And note-taking is the soul of all ADHD-based interviews. So my spouse is really into, like, computer science and, like, coding and all that sort of typey-typey, reformat the computer things. Yesterday, she switched the Mac, uh -oh. the, the 10-year-old Mac, from Mac software to Linux. <laughs> oh, wow. She's, this will make it run faster. And I'm like, okay, honey. <laughs> sounds good so she likes all of those things and i like to play video games and like solving puzzles <laughs> and 100 percent things i get a little focused on 100 percenting things sometimes so sometimes we'll sit on the couch and she'll be like typey 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 on the computer making it do the things and i'll be making the video games happen nice but i'll reach a foot across the couch and put toes on her thigh so we're doing it together separately exactly <laughs> exactly it's, awesome. so good. it's so good that way. So what are your favorite music genres? You don't even have to pick a specific artist if it's too hard. Are there a couple of genres? I'll listen to just about anything, really. I like a lot of old music, like Hendrix and Janis Joplin and really like stuff that is before my time like the Beatles like I, I don't know why like I, I love it but then also I listen to like Lil Nas X mm. so it's I listen to everything I'll listen to some country music you know I, I'll, I'll listen to techno it really depends on like the mood I need to be in like now I've realized that music is so powerful that if I need more energy in the morning I can put on something that has a beat that makes me want to wiggle my body and my booty and then I'm up and I'm excited and I can use that to fuel me. And so if I realize I'm like too anxious and like got too much of this going on and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I need to chill. Mm -hmm. Then I'll go put on some like spa music or something totally. really like down tempo chill. Cause it's, I know I can use that to manipulate myself because I don't have a chill function very naturally. I have to like work really hard to achieve this state of chill that everyone else is always talking about like yeah. i have zero chill <laughs> i hear that but music helps music can help me find a chill i love that i was telling you this before stream but lately i read something from adhd alien about time and how time gets warpy with the neurodivergent brain and that one way to cope with that is listening to music and so yes. even today in getting ready to show up on time, I was like, I need to play music so I know how many minutes have passed because otherwise it'll be an hour and I will have spaced out. <laughs> yes. Count how totally. many songs did I just hear? Okay. Yep. Each song is about three to four minutes, sometimes five, depending on the song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rhapsody in Blue, that one's 20 minutes. Oh, wow. It's so yeah. long. All the Rhapsodies. Maybe Rhapsodies yes. are just long. Yes, I have to get it all out. A lot of expression. So fun. For those who are watching, we've likely noticed a cool silver thing in your hands, but I'm trying to describe it for those listening later. Can you tell us about that and then tell us about some of your favorite stim toys? Yeah, I'm not sure if this is really a stim toy or if it's a hair accessory. I've had it for a long time. Like it's this little metal thing that twists and bends in all these different directions continuously. And you can make it into two balls or a singular ball or like a bracelet. It, it does all these things. So you know, cool. when I had longer hair, I put it on top of my ponytail on my bun and I wore it in my head. And it's just a continuously in motion thing, but I've just noticed my fingers are turning black. <laughs> From playing with it? 
I'm playing with it. It's, it's so really funny. old and really gross, but it's it's just something that my I never stop, as I was saying. And then you ask about my favorite one. I, I was looking at the questions before, and this little wand is full of oh blue gosh. glitter and stars and moons. This little it's mesmerizing, it's about a foot long and totally mesmerizing. I've had this since I was in probably before I even started school, and I was like a very young person, maybe a toddler. And when the adults called it my magic dream wand, because I would just lay in bed and stim and watch the little stars fall until I fell asleep. I didn't know I was autistic. There were signs. And I still have this thing. This is literally my favorite thing. I've had it. It's 30 something years old. It probably came with a Disney movie. Oh, is yeah. what, I, what I've decided. I think it came with a Cinderella box set or something. That's so amazing. What a great but toy. I love that the toy that came with the movie has lasted in your life longer than the movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't even really... I, Cinderella wasn't really my movie. I never really even dug that one that much. But this was the best part of it. And it, it's, it's moved. Like, all of my moves, all of my homes, everywhere I've ever lived, I have managed to hang on to this thing. I love that so much. <laughs> That's so... Gosh, I'm wondering if I can come up with what my favorite stim toy is this minute i'm playing with my little fidget thing it lights up but i don't usually do that on stream because i don't want to set off if people have flashing light mm -hmm. issues i also really like this thing but it's vulnerable Ooh. so it's like a deconstructed fidget center so it's three magnetic rings that like go together and you can play with them Ooh. and there's different <laughs> ways too so like right now i've got it on middle finger and thumb but i can also like let's see how do i do it there's some way, oh yeah, so I can also just put it on my index finger like this and separate the two and spin it around that way. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. It's so fun. <laughs> There's other stuff you can do too. Mirror me in the chat says, I have destroyed my fidget pen. <laughs> oh, but yes, oh, great. I love fidgets so much. The other thing that mm -hmm. I really like is this like chewy, chewy rainbow Lego thing. I can't reach further than this right now, okay. but it's still, it's silicone. So it's like chew friendly and you just, it's on a necklace, you can wear it, but you can just like nosh on it which like has helped me because I I think there are times that I eat when I'm not hungry because I need a mouth stim oh, and so totally. if I have this it's I'm not just like putting calories in my body for no reason I love those things yeah I got one for my wife and she was like meh it's okay and I'm like really though it's so cool I love this thing <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. if I'm like mad I can chew it out anyway I'm also in the process of treating a jaw thing I've got going on, so I'm trying to not chew too much right now, but... Oh, um, yeah. Oh, it's so fun. I love it. Yeah, the, the spinner is a little bit quieter than this deconstructed one, though. This one is a little clacky, but I love that's it. That's cool. It's so fun. I like that. I want one of those. I'm like, ooh, yeah. that's a new thing. It's That one is called Fingears, F-I-N-G-E-A-R-S. Gears. Oh I'll my gosh. It. Okay. I'll type it in our little discord chat. So you have a record of it after the stream ends, but yeah. Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. What other toys do you have to show us? Show I've and tell a, time. Oh my gosh. I literally have a box of these things like right here right now. Like I have a box. <laughs> That's so great. What is the purple and blue thing? Is that one of those little bubble popper guys? Oh my gosh, I have so many of these. This is probably one of my favorite, but I wasn't going to get it out because over here on a stream, I didn't want it to make noise on the microphone, but I love yeah, these things. Oh my gosh, it's a unicorn. Of course. Is that, is that a bisexual unicorn? No, I think it would supposed to be pink too. It's only purple and blue. Gotcha. It's so nice. But it can be. I don't know. I didn't ask though. Probably. <laughs> it, I don't know. <laughs> I love that so much. All the things. All the wonderful things. So Ninja Wolf has a question. I myself am neurodiverse and have my own experience. What's your experience? And I think we're going to we're gonna dig into that, but I just wanted to acknowledge that Ninja Wolf is asking about it because that's fun. I'm going to shuffle the questions by about three, and I'm going to jump to what was it like growing up queer in the Bible Belt? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. before, before we get into the, the hyperlexia and how has your gender evolved over time, because I think that's the most relevant to Ninja Wolf's question that I have here. So we'll do that one, and then we'll talk about like growing up queer in the Bible Belt, but also maybe growing up hyperlexic, I don't know if that's a word, in the Bible Belt and in general, and what sort of those experiences were like. 
Yeah. Yeah. Texas is, if you've seen the news lately, Texas is a very backwards place, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And and that's, it's better than it used to be. So that's the sad thing is it's still a really backwards place even now, but it's, it used to be worse. When I was growing up, it was a lot worse. So you go to, even though my mother specifically was not someone who was bigoted against queer people, everyone in the community is so that doesn't matter like I I grew up in a hair salon because my mom's a hairstylist it's like one of the only safe places in Texas maybe is hair salons is that why your hair is always so fabulous you've just Uh, had style your whole life (laughs) heavily influenced by growing up in a hair salon (laughs) it's like I had gay men teaching me how to do my makeup so I like the idea that makeup would only be for women never crossed my mind because it was like of course not the best person I know does makeup as a gay man what are you talking about makeup is only for women that never like would have made sense to me but the rest Mm -hmm. of the world around me was a very different place and even though my mom was very supportive and I never even really officially came out to her with anything because I didn't feel like I had to because it was like a non-issue with my family but like she was still like a born again Christian. So she was still trying to force me to go to church mm. because church is a very big central thing around here. If you, you don't send your kids to church and you're a bad parent, you don't go to church, you're bad, whatever, all of that. And then church is also like very big on, I feel like here, a lot of people go to church and it's about showing off a lot of times put on your Sunday best, get dressed up really nice, all of those things I really just don't like doing anyway in general. Like I'm, I don't want to dress up overly formally and do all of that thing and be someone I'm completely not. And there's this expectation that you, you know, have to be someone you're not to go into those spaces. <laughs> and even just having that message that from other people around you that who you are is disgusting or wrong or you're a sin or if people like say that thing, oh, love, love the sinner, hate the sin, which is you, you don't understand. This is like part of who I am. You can't say that. It doesn't make sense. It's like with being autistic, like it's part of, you can't say, oh, I hate this autism because it's something you hate me. Because it's like things I can't separate out of my identity. <clears throat> yeah. It, which is, it's hard. And then it, it just becomes a thing where like all of my support for the most part comes from online because people around me here, like in the physical world, don't get it really. There's very few places. And then being neurodivergent, like I've got so much social anxiety. I don't like to go into public spaces anyway. And now that COVID's happened and we've all been isolating for over a year I can't even imagine going back into society and like mingling with people ever again (laughs) to go Mm -hmm. back in public but I really want to leave Texas because I don't feel like I am wanted here by a lot of people Uh, I don't feel safe here I know that being someone who looks and presents the way I did in high school it was safer for me to come out and so I was out of the closet starting from like middle school and a lot of people just mostly thought I was doing it for attention back then. But my guy friends, they didn't come out of the closet at all. Yeah. They absolutely did not because it was not safe. And it was like people that I, I would have, I would have been a safe person for them, but they didn't even feel safe telling me. And it was like, whoa, we were really close friends. And I find this out like so many years later about you. And it was like, I would have cheered you on. I've been like, yeah, that's awesome. But there's so much fear because I, you can't be can safe. Can I ask here. you what you came out as in high school? I know I've come out many times as many different identities. So I'm curious, where did you start? And like, what's your coming out progression? (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's definitely a progression. Because one thing is like having the language as you understand gender identity Mm -hmm. and and sexual orientation, you start to, oh, there's more accurate terms. Initially, I came out as bisexual. That was like the first time I came out. And that was in middle school. And I remember even like I identified as bisexual for a while and I was like oh maybe I'm just a lesbian maybe I'm bisexual I went back and forth with lesbian and bisexual for a while but even like when I entered the workforce like I still had a boss who was a lesbian who was like bisexual people don't exist you're just a horny nymphomaniac pervert that wants to hump anything with legs yeah my phobia is terrible I'm sorry that happened it's, to you but it's, that's Texas that, that's that part of my experience. And so that, then I came out as non-binary much later, you know, as an adult. But before that, I came out as pansexual because I was like, oh, this, this 
feel like I felt like it just fit me a little better in my experience. And then I came out as I didn't come out as non-binary officially and gender fluid until during the lockdown because everything was getting so bad. And it was like, I saw the misinformation out there and I was like, I can't say anything about any of the misinformation without outing myself. And I was like, I guess it's time to just put it all out there. And so like, I came out and started explaining my non-binary experience last year, but you know, even before that, goodness, for years before even ever coming out non-binary, my pronouns on Facebook had been changed to they, them. I just Mm -hmm. did it and didn't mention it to anybody. Yeah. But it was like, am I really ready to talk about this with the world? Because once I put it out there, it's like this, it's one of those things where you're constantly going to be talking about it. Mm -hmm. You can't put that back in the bag. Just like telling everyone you're autistic. Mm -hmm. I can't put that cat back in the bag. People know. And it's, it it leaves you a little bit vulnerable to make that choice, especially online. Yeah, totally. And now you've got like autistic splashed in your username that you use everywhere, which is so great. (laughs) I love that so much. And I have gender in my name. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's, oh, am I ruining my chance for employment for the rest of my life? I hear that. I can tell you as someone who's living in the Pacific Northwest, there are parts of the country that are easier to live in where people are cool with the queers and the neurodivergent. Well, Just to put some hope in your little heart. <laughs> There's nice places out here. You just have to move to them. I just got to get out of Texas. Yeah, totally. So jumping back to you talking about going to church, it was occurring to me that getting ready for church and putting on your quote-unquote Sunday best, it sounds like there's a combination of masking to appear neurotypical and masking gender identity to appear cis. There's there's multiple layers of masking and attempting to pass or something that go on with that preparation. Oh, totally. You're expected to, one, put on the little frilly dresses, which I almost never like, And then two, if you, I was, especially like in middle school, I was like a little goth kid. So he wanted to take me out of my ripped jeans and my black outfits and my black lipstick and make me dress up like a Barbie doll. (laughs) This was so not me. So I was like, I couldn't be myself at all. I remember getting ready for choir concerts and that was the only time I'd ever put on makeup. And like the dress code for the choir concerts was everyone wore dresses because I was in like a women's only choir. And so it was so weird. It was like the only dress I owned was for choir. The only makeup I owned was to get ready for choir concerts. And honestly, to me, it, it always felt like drag getting ready for choir concerts. Well, see, I always only liked the really, like, really out there over the top makeup, usually. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, yeah. like, I look like drag queen makeup. Yeah. But that's, like, a lot of my makeup inspiration, like, looking back, was, like, always inspired by drag queens and drag, and the gay makeup scene was, like, a lot of inspiration for me. And it felt like drag putting on makeup, but it was, like, I kind of like drag. But but when I realized I didn't like it anymore is when I started to realize that it was performative, it was a mask, and it wasn't me, and that people would see me for the makeup before they saw me, and then, like that kind of a realization came in and made it less fun at points. There's always that realization. Like I like the art, I like the makeup, but then if I go outside and put on makeup, everyone is going to be assuming I'm a girl constantly. Yeah. So then you get into, do you do some sort of like gender queer, the specific term maybe is gender fuck where you have like a suit on like a masculine suit, but then like lots of makeup. And so it's just, what is the gender that's happening here? Nobody knows. It's wonderful. Yes. Yes. Oh, like Ruby Rose. Oh my gosh. The first time I saw that Ruby Rose video, which that's not a safe way to bind if anyone knows the video I'm talking about, but that video just blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a gender fluid person here and someone that gets my experience. Because you feel like you're really invisible sometimes. Like I knew trans men and I I knew trans women growing up, but I never knew any non-binary people. I didn't know anyone was non-binary. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell us more about gender fluidity since we're here on the topic anyways? Yeah. I think what has been important to me is realizing the fact that my and people who are gender fluid, we don't identify as having a fixed gender where it's like either one or the other. And for a lot of us, myself included, this fluidity can float between, I feel like I have these energies inside me almost that are pushing and pulling in one direction. And there are things that can influence these energies inside me. And it can range from, usually I don't really feel 
too feminine, but somewhat feminine, I can feel, all the way to having zero feminine feelings at all or feeling like I have no gender or gender is no thing. Like sometimes I'm like, gender doesn't exist. Don't tell me about gender. I have no gender. There is no gender. I'm like, I don't want to hear about it. And sometimes I'm like, I definitely feel this way. And it's, it's not one way ever. And it, it's evolved and changed throughout my life a lot of times, depending on a lot of times my situations and even my partners. Mm-hmm. I think my partners have a really big influence on it, which I think is really interesting. Like that yeah. energy that my partner brings, like my energy matches a little bit. But then when I'm on my own, like it's a totally different, which is I go back to that default neutral. And generally the thing I've noticed is regardless of how I feel on the inside, people are going to be really stuck with what they see me expressing on the outside. And that's hard because Like, I want to be seen. I want mm-hmm. to be seen. Like, we all want to be seen as we really are. And I've known since I was probably about four or five years old that the rest of the world does not perceive and see me the way I perceive and see myself. And I don't think that they ever will be able to. I hear that. I hear that. One of the things that you're talking about here, like how people are perceiving you versus your own internal perception, it reminds me of sort of something that we've come up with in our discord server that I wanted to share with people one because it's cool if people want to join the discord server but two maybe it's something that people could use in other places of their life too right the server is just a learning space to find new patterns of behavior and ways of being together to take out into your life and into the world and one you people have been in the twitch chat and you have mentioned the power of having language to identify and actually say, this is who I am. And it's like a list of 10 things or 15 or 20 things instead of just like queer. There's all Mm -hmm. these little like more precise words and how as time goes by, we gain more understandings. And so one thing in the server that we have in our role menu channel is we have a list of identities for gender, sexuality, pronouns, including a ton of neo pronouns. So if you're shopping around for neo pronouns and you want to check it out, there's a list. And if your pronouns aren't there, let us know and we will add them because it's not hard maybe eventually we'll run out of roles that's the only that's the only boundary i can see i think discord has a limit on how many roles you're allowed to have but we can figure it out so there's that piece but there's also getting back to you talking about gender fluidity and presentation and people reading you the way that you internally see yourself in our selfies channel and i don't know if people realize this but in the channel description we talk about please feel free to post a selfie and include the gender or genders that you would like to receive compliments as. So like when I post, I might write like non-binary and masculine compliments accepted. And then people can say, you look great or you look really handsome today. And both of those, like there's the non-binary and the masculine way to read it. And so you can post a picture of yourself in a dress and still say masculine compliments only, please. And and that's, we're just practicing that with each other and saying, like, that. expressing, how, this is how I want to be seen. This is how I want to be, like, supported and loved up. So that's... Yeah, that's a cool thing. I'm not trying to promote the Discord server too hard. It's just, it's a thing that we do that I think is cool. And I haven't seen other people do that anywhere. I think that's really cool because that is really what makes it hard. It's if I could go out and just wear my makeup one day and just exist and have nobody say anything to me, like it would be perfect because I'm not doing it for anybody else. But then I've got something like, sweetie, baby, honey. And I'm like, I'm dying. I can't. So gross. Make it stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, call me other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, like for me, I'm sure, especially in the South, you, you hear plenty of sirs and ma'ams. Uh-uh. I, have a whole thing, I have a whole thing about sirs and ma'ams. Like whenever I call my insurance company that's based in Texas, they're always trying to ma'am me. And I, okay, sir isn't it either. It's actually mix or mixter, MX or MX. But that's hard for people. And I feel this pressure to be, I almost want to say binary trans, like from point A to point B, because that's easier for people's brains than being Mm -hmm. non-binary and being like, I have this third thing over here or this third thing over here. My gesture is now more nebulous and like a galaxy instead of one direction. And it's such a time. It's such a time. I've also been thinking lately about the difference between being identifying as non-binary and presenting non-binary because I'm on testosterone. And chances are, if I continue the path that I'm on, I will look pretty traditionally masculine one day and people will read me 
as he, him, instead of she, her. But I still identify as they, them. And it took me a long time to start HRT, like three or four years, because I was like, oh no, I'm non-binary, I'm not a trans man, what do I do? And it's actually, I've realized, like, I can be on testosterone because that's what my brain chemistry wants, and that's, I would really like to have the beard naturally, but also still identify as non-binary, because presentation and identity are two separate things. And it just mm-hmm. took me a really long time to get there. But I'm so glad Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that if even us as queer folks are like struggling a little bit to get, because that took me a while to get to, then like, how do we expect the poor straight people, the cis people, they don't understand things to get it. Like, how do you explain this to the cis people? I will say I have a lot of hope because the kids, like, oh yeah, I have teens right now, stepchildren, teenagers, and I don't know, the kids make me think it's all going to be all right. That is true. (laughs) Yep. I I do have hope for the future generations coming up. Uh, Goodness, we are. It's not like when I was in school, that's for sure. Speaking of when you were in school, can you tell us about (laughs) hyperlexia? Oh, yes. Oh, we almost forgot that one. We got excited and distracted, which is totally. So they get for asking Uh, two questions at the same time. Yeah, no, that's good (laughs) that we came back to it, though. I'm glad we didn't miss it. So I, hyperlexia is like blessing and a curse. I I started teaching myself to read and speak simultaneously when I was one and a half years old. We were just driving down the road and I start reading street signs and then reading names on the map. And the adults are just like, wait, when did this kid learn how to read? That's really weird. They're freaked out. And one of my first, I think, interests and obsessions is probably words and vocabularies. Like I had grandparents who would you know, read me bedtime stories and read me stories. And I remember they would read and follow the words. And I literally thought when I was like very tiny that learning to read would teach me to speak. And I guess it did. So it worked, but it was like, I thought the books were like what gave the adults this magic speaking power. (laughs) So I was like, I must learn about the book. And so I I was like totally hooked on books in general and like audio cassette tapes and all of those things just over and over again. And so I had a very big vocabulary, even by the time I was like three, I'd be like, oh, actually speaking in complete sentences, that very stereotypical, like little professor thing. But- Where's your tweed it... jacket? Huh? Tiny, I'm just imagining you in a tiny tweed jacket and like oh. four years old. Oh yeah. Little professor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like very accurate. But that's the thing is I spoke that way, but it didn't mean I really, comprehended as much as people gave me credit for I was Mm. like people thought I was wise beyond my ears a lot of times but I was also very immature in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of expectations put on me because I like started reading and speaking and having this vocabulary at a young age that I would just do these great things and I was going to naturally do really good in school and then I got into school and it was like completely not at all what anyone expected. I was a terrible student. I had bad grades. I could not sit still. I was always getting in trouble. I could not quote behave, you know, according to how neurotypical public education standards were. But because people was, oh, this kid's really smart. This kid's reading at college level. This kid's just lazy. This kid's not applying themselves. This kid doesn't try instead of realizing that I was like a kid with learning disabilities who was struggling and needed a lot of help and had anxiety and all these things going on. It was like, this kid is lazy and bad and rebellious and stubborn because I was hyperlexic. Yeah. Wow. That's, it's interesting how people projected all of those expectations on you because of one neurodivergent skill you happen to have. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, like, with us, you know, neurodivergent people, we tend to have, we neurotypical say we're not well-rounded in our skills, which I don't think that's a fair, you know, assessment. We just, our skill sets are different in, compared to neurodivert, neurotypicals, but, like, having, we, we can be all over the place. Like, I'm either really good at something, like, expert level good, or I suck at it, and there's, like, no in-between. There is no in-between. And so I don't do things I'm bad at. I just avoid it completely. I'm like, no, I'm not good at this. No, that's a hard pass. I'm not going to do it. And that's like the number one reason I like have been anywhere near successful at anything in life is because I only do what I'm good at. <laughs> I avoid everything else. I'm like, oh, I'm not good at that. I don't do that. My wife, Franz Capybara, asks, Lyric, did you also read encyclopedias for fun? Yes, I definitely <laughs> did read encyclopedias for fun, especially the dog encyclopedia. Oh my gosh. I, mem- I memorized all of the dogs in the dog encyclopedia and there was a cat encyclopedia and it had cat breeds and I memorized all the cats in the cat encyclopedia. 
Oh my gosh, that is so fun. <laughs> I um, am that nerd. <laughs> my, my wife tells a story about how Mount St. Helens had just blown up. And she's a little bit older than me. And she, her dad told her, go get the tea. Which is, that's a vague phrase. And so one thing, at least for me with autism and ADHD, is I, I parse sentences and I'm like, here's the three ways that could have a meaning. Here's the three things that could mean. And then my brain goes, which one is the most likely that they meant? And mm -hmm. so go get the V. Yeah. So Capybara went and got the V magnet off the fridge and brought it to dad because I don't know what you want from me. And then he actually got really mad at her because what he was actually asking for is go get the V encyclopedia from your bookshelf upstairs. Oh. But there was like not enough words in the sentence. And then he was like mad about it. And it's, it's you who gave insufficient information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you or, doing? Or I didn't... Yeah, no, like I have a similar story, like with my, like one of my guardians, like they said, oh, I'm going to draw you a bath. And so I ran and grabbed a pencil and a paper. <laughs> you can draw I me a bath. And so of course cute. they thought I'm being a wise aleck. Like they no. literally think I'm being a wise aleck. They, yeah. they, they yeah, they, and they still to this day they tell the story as if I like was making a joke. I'm like probably four, maybe younger, four or five years old. I don't know, but it's no, I'm a literal thinker. And you said you were going to draw me a bath. I was going to get you a pen and paper. My grandma used to draw me stuff all the time. Of why wouldn't you even draw me something cool? What a bathtub? That's different. Okay, draw it for me. <laughs> It's got the little claw feet on the bottom, some bubbles. Uh, Most fun part to draw. <laughs> you draw the little shines on the bubbles. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that'd be awesome. See, I was like, I was ready to have someone draw me a bath. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. So I guess that all gets back to Ninja Wolf's question about what was your experience like? Like having the parsing the words not the way a neurotypical person expects is definitely one of those struggles. I can say for me, as someone who's married to a fellow autistic ADHD person, we just have so much compassion for each other when we mm -hmm. like say things and don't understand each other. And there's not like the anger, like there's not that weird anger and expectation. And we can start to notice on each other's expressions. It's either face or body language or whatever, when like the overwhelm is coming. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I'll send my wife to her room, not because she's in trouble, but because she needs a sensory break. I'm like, go sit in the room with the blackout curtains and lay on the bed and don't do anything for a while because you need a break. <laughs> oh, that's neurodivergent love right there. It totally is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or or like I, my partner, I get that overwhelmed part and I'm just like, he's, we're on the bed and I'm like, lay on top of me and squish me. No questions asked. Okay. Just please squish me right now. Please just squish me. Okay. Yes. Having a neurodivergent partner who gets it. Yes. That's so nice. Ew. Cappy Bear says you're really awesome gender master. Thanks, honey. That's my She's so cute. She says I love how you do that for me. Ew. Um. So wholesome and cute. It is adorable. I love it. One of my favorite things about being a content creator is I just get to be aggressively wholesome and loving towards trans and neurodiverse people all day. That's like my job. Yes. It's like aggressive wholesomeness and love. You get to do what you want. Isn't that nice when you get to do whatever you want? It's, I'm the boss. It's so wonderful. I'm so grateful. How did you choose the name Neurodivergent Rebel? Oh, that one was easy, actually. That was one of the easiest things because my whole life I've been called rebellious and stubborn. Like those were two things I was called a lot, especially mm -hmm. by my guardians. You rebel, you're rebellious. So I realized, oh, I'm not really rebellious. I'm just, maybe I am, but I, maybe the neurodivergence has a good, has, has a bit of a uh, impact on that. And a lot of times it probably wasn't being rebellious, but was called rebellious for doing some neurodivergence. So it's kind of everything else being very uh, inspired by queer culture and queer identity and all of those things, like reclaiming something that's been used against you, I feel is a very powerful thing we can do. And so being called a rebel my whole life with it, not being supposed to be a compliment, like with it meant to be an insult, I said, you know what, I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it and I'm going to embrace it and reclaim that for myself and say, yeah, I'm a neurodivergent rebel. And so it's just like my way of reclaiming something that was supposed to be an insult for 29 years until I found out I was autistic. Mm -hmm. How revolutionary is that? It's like all of these aha moments, right? Going back over to your life after you find <clears throat> out you're neurodivergent, you're just like, Oh, everything makes sense. <laughs> Every memory it, like has a new meaning just about now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So I've said this many times, but I feel like since we're talking about neurodiversity, it's important to state that at least in in this channel and in my spaces, we believe that self-diagnosis and self-identifying as neurodivergent is totally valid. It can Mm -hmm. be, there's a lot of gatekeeping around getting formal diagnoses. And I just wanted to encourage people like, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until you have thousands of dollars, until you get to the end of that 12-month waiting list to get formally diagnosed with a thing. If reading those ADHD memes and using those coping tools for autistic people is helpful to you, do them. You can Mm -hmm. stem now. You don't have to wait until someone, some other person tells you that you are who you are. Yes. I will agree so much because like I was autistic in the 29 years of my life leading up to being autistic that those things definitely impacted me whether or not I knew they were impacting me or not so gosh that that one person giving that confirmation was helpful but if she would have said no it wouldn't have changed the thing I still would have been autistic they just would have told me no yeah Juliet and Maddie in the chat say let's eliminate doctors opinions as a basis for identity controversial (laughs) I'm not disagreeing either (laughs) All right. What are some queer and neurodivergent intersections that you find fascinating? Oh, goodness. All of, like, all of the recent studies that keep coming out to, to show that there is overlap in being neurodivergent and being queer and being autistic and potentially being trans. Like, mm-hmm. the rest of us are like, duh, we knew this forever. Like, we've known mm-hmm. this. We're like, yeah, finally, science is catching up. But I'm yeah. so excited right now that science is catching up. Yeah, because when I got online, when I first found out I was autistic five years ago, I tiptoed in and was like, oh my gosh, I've never been in a, like around neurodivergent people in a group where the majority is queer. And I really mm-hmm. felt like anytime I was in a neurodivergent space, the majority was queer and the straight people were now the minority in the group, the straight cis people, which that's weird. We don't get that unless we go to a pride parade or some kind of party or event. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this is something and then for years everyone's like no it's not no it's not no it's not now they're like starting to have scientific research and like studies now like look there's a lot of them yeah we know there's a lot of us and it makes me excited that now people are we have like data to back it up and prove like what a lot of us have been saying for years anyway and so like why is science always so behind that's why it's like yeah let's get these doctors and these scientists and these academic gatekeepers out because they don't know what's going on with the lived experiences sometimes. One of the wonderful things about my Discord server is so many of us are trans and neurodivergent of some flavor. And so it's so fun to just be around a bunch of other trans neurodivergent people. Yeah. (laughs) Something that I hear talked about even less is plurality, which is having Mm -hmm. multiple headmates in one one physical body. And we have like special opt-in channels for different identities. And one of those includes plurality. So nice. If there are like queer, trans, neurodivergent people who are like figuring the stuff out, like we have a safe little spot for you to figure it out. And there's moderators around and you're not going to get trolled. And we just, that's it. Like your desire for that sort of space. That's, that's the thing. That's what I've done with Pandemic is make this the server with a lot of help, including from Mirami. Oh yeah, Juliet and Maddie are clarifying together. 400 accounts, definitely more people than that. <laughs> wow. 400 yeah, users, yeah. but that, if you count that, all the headmates, it's that more than that. true, yeah. <laughs> you can have a lot in one system. <laughs> totally. And Mirami is clarifying. We have both the plurality channel and the questioning plurality channel. So if you're still figuring oh, it out cool. and you're like not ready to identify... There's, we have just as many questioning channels as we have like insider identity air quotes channels. So people can figure it out. And I can't even, I wish I had counted, but I have no idea how many little trans eggs have hatched in the server over the last year. Oh, nice. But it's so cool because we have this online space. And a while ago you were mentioning um, with pandemic and staying home and now you don't want to go back to seeing people in your life and all of that because it stresses you out, which... I find relatable. I also wanted to share that, like, for me as a disabled person, like, when pandemic happened, my world got bigger, not smaller. Because all the people that weren't online suddenly were. All the people oh, that were yeah. like, oh, I can't be bothered with learning the internet technologies that let me connect with people online. They suddenly took time to do it because they had nothing else to do or no other way mm-hmm. to be in community. And so it just, they, like, my world got bigger, not smaller. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if people, like, have considered that perspective 
Oh yeah, totally. But then the other thing is people want us to do both now. And I'm like, okay, I can't handle both. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like we have about three more questions awesome. just for timing. I know we're, we just hit the, the one hour mark. So I wanted to be mindful of your time as well. I know you have things to go do. It works um, for me. Let's see. There's some sort of question here that is coming in from the Twitch chat. Um, sorry if you addressed this earlier about hyperlexia. Do you feel like reading is easy or does it just come fast? Someone, if someone thinks they're hyperlexic, what might they look out for? So it's a clarifying question on hyperlexia. Yeah. So reading probably came easier to me than it did for a lot of people. And then now I read really fast and so fast that one of the difficulties is I do not see typos my brain just collect like automatically corrects them so i cannot proofread to save my life i'm a terrible proofreader growing up it looked like me reading far above grade level i was reading already at a college level when i was when did they do that test i think it was third grade it was an elementary school i was already reading they didn't test above that so it was like as far as they could test like in college reading could but the spoken comprehension was nowhere near what the writing and verbal comprehension. And something funny about this actually, what I think is really interesting is say, for example, now I speak Spanish very poorly, but I can understand quite a bit if it's spoken to me and it's not going too fast. You know, I'm here in Texas, a lot of people do speak Spanish, but I, I can read Spanish fairly well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can, I, I, much better than I can speak Spanish. If you, if you, like, you give me the Spanish instructions, I can read directions and packaging in Spanish and I can understand all of that. That's and cool. If I needed to say that or heard you saying it out loud, it, it wouldn't be as easy for me to process. So it's funny because like I'm hyperlexic in every language, not just in English, which is funny. And it's more noticeable when I've worked really hard to build up my speaking comprehension, my spoken speech to compensate. But when I was a kid, it was like the difference was vast. So it's like I could read and write so much better than I could speak. Mm-hmm. Um, which now I've practiced my speech so much, that's not as difficult as speaking another language. You can definitely see it. Cause it's like, I can read most other languages pretty easily too. When I try, if I would try to learn a language, the reading, it would be easier than speaking it. Yeah. In the Twitch chat, we're talking about how terrible our verbal memory can be. And I oh. responded that for me, if I hear verbal instructions or if I get like a verbal to-do list, I have to say it out loud so that I can hear myself saying it and I loop it in my brain until I've done the thing. Otherwise it just stops existing. It's just, I can remember permanence. one thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> one thing at a time. That's it. I can't, I get everything in writing. I know I'm not going to be able to remember. Cause it's like, what if somebody comes up to me and interrupts me? Yeah. Yeah. Then I have no idea what I was just doing. <laughs> yeah. If I don't, if I don't write it down, it stops existing mm. within one minute. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, this task has multiple steps. No, I'm sorry. I can't help you. My One of my mods posted a meme today that was like what people think inattentive ADHD is. And it was like this green blob and then what it actually is. And it was this rainbow with a list of 10 things. And then there was <laughs> like another thing. One of them was green, one of them was purple. And that was like, also inattentive ADHD is not reading that second thing because you looked at it and your brain went, it's too long and you moved on. <laughs> So I read like oh top and bottom gosh. and then I circled back to the middle because the third thing shamed me into feeling like, okay, I have to read that fucking list now. Oh my, oh my God. Gosh. Yes. That's funny. That is totally accurate. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Heck. So funny. It's just, it's so real. For me, when I read, I if I read fast, sometimes I don't comprehend what I read. Like my eyes go over the words, but mm-hmm. my brain doesn't actually, it doesn't sink in. So with your hyperlexia, you read fast and comprehend or you just it depends yeah if i like because i have adhd too if i am not like in a place where i am having trouble focusing on something or if something is really freaking boring to me Mm -hmm. i'll read it and it won't sink in Mm -hmm. but if i'm interested in it i'm not mentally exhausted and having some kind of other adhd glitch where i can't read because sometimes it just i'm just too tired to read then yeah i i I absorb it like i i like will go through and read and absorb and actually comprehend when i'm taking it that's so cool yeah what a cool cool skill 
But if I'm tired or I'm overwhelmed, the skill is gone and is completely not mm-hmm. there and the comprehension stops. Yeah. <laughs> Which people expect you to have that skill. Like when you show a skill, people expect you to be able to like show it consistently. Yeah, totally. They have that expectation. And it's, uh, that only works on Tuesdays and mornings. <laughs> yeah. So it's after five and I've been talking. The reading is turned off for the day. I, I already shut mm-hmm. down that machine. Yeah, totally. All right, let's see, let's see. Okay, so I have seen on like your socials and your website and things that you are a neurodivergent consultant. I'm curious if you'll tell us a little bit about that and what kind of clients do you work with? What is it like having that job? Tell us more. Yeah, but up until the fall last year during COVID, I was working in an HR and business consulting firm and we did a lot of work around organizational culture uh, and having a people-centric mind plate, mind, mindset when you're working with businesses. And I was developing training around neurodiversity and creating a culture that is something that embraces and fosters like support of neurodivergent people to be their best selves at work. And so I was you know, working in a company to develop this and starting to do some of it. And then COVID happened. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which, hey, shake everything up like an Etch-a-Sketch. And so in the fall, I was let go from that job. But in addition to everything else, when I was in that company, I was also their VP of marketing. So I was also like doing all of these different things and wearing so many hats because we were a small full-time team of eight. And when you are on a team that small, you have to do so many things. And when I was let go because of COVID, we had to finally in September of 2020 do our first round of layoffs, which we tried hard not to do as a team, but we had to do it. And there's no hard feelings. And I even, my previous employer a few times on a few projects uh, since we split and we're still friends and a lot of love. I'm actually really grateful they let me go because I never would have jumped. Otherwise I wouldn't have left because I'm so loyal to people like that I tr- that do me right. I'm f- so I wouldn't have gone on my own, but I decided now that I'm forced on my own, I'm, I just want to do the neurodiversity piece. I don't want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was forced out to like sink or swim to see, can I one, redesign all this training because I had designed training for them. Now I have to design it over for me. And do can I really just do this? Is this a realistic goal? And I kept looking for work for like months and months while I was like building these training and starting to take on little clients here and there. And so now it's like I've gotten to the point where it's like I've now got my tools and I've got my organizational survey built up again. It's like we can work and look at the problems and see what culture issues are there because a lot of these things that make the workplaces better for neurodivergent people like letting people work from home if needed or having flexible work schedules and start times and giving directions Mm -hmm. in writing as well as out loud like all Mm -hmm. of these little things like neurodivergent people need a lot of times make life better for neurotypicals too yeah so like you change these things and it makes the workplace better for everybody or they think they're um, neurotypical, but actually. Yeah, yeah, that too. Because <laughs> I didn't know I was autistic until I was 29. I spent 29 years out in the world not knowing. But just helping them look at like those problems. A lot of it revolves around looking at hiring and the recruiting process. And then just organizational culture and policies. And a lot of little things that people just don't think of because the neurotypical set up the systems. And uh-huh. so... We need to like have a neurodivergent eye on it to say some of this really isn't working and they may not realize because it doesn't uh, apply to them. Well, in in some industries, a a neurodivergent neurotype is actually what works best. Oh, yeah, totally. Like my wife is a software engineer and so many like computer programmers, software engineer type people are super duper autistic it's like the attention to detail and the the way computers are is very autistic at least in my wife very similar to my wife's autistic brain in her experience at least and so it's it's not only like accommodations because it's the right thing to do which should be enough but it's also accommodations because your business will thrive more if you Mm -hmm. incorporate all the different neurotypes and see the different perspectives because also your clients your your customers some of them are going to be neurodivergent as well Oh yeah. And when I worked in tech, that was like, it was true. Like it's the one environment where looking back, I was like, I really didn't need any accommodations to be comfortable in that environment back before I knew I was autistic when I was working in tech with a bunch of engineers uh, at a computer company, I will not name, but it was like, this was, I felt at home here. 
in this place. And mm-hmm. now I know why, because it was like, oh, software engineers and engineers. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were my people, but I'm not really the, like I can do tech things, but it's more creative tech, media, art, photography kind of tech. That, that's a diff- very different kind of tech, but it was like, I still had my people. Yeah. There's, I also think about... Oh my gosh, I've had this thought twice and it's run off twice. Not every neurodivergent person is like equipped to teach about neurodiversity, right? No. Just not every trans person is ready to educate cis het people about trans and gender identity. And so it's mm-hmm. really important to have someone who, like like you, who's a consultant, who's, I've studied this, I'm prepared for your questions <laughs> that are perhaps a bit <laughs> asinine. And you can pay me for my time. It's so, it's important to have that. And so thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. It's oh, thank you cool. so much. It's, I think it's been an, an honor to be able to find something that I'm really passionate about that has like a purpose. That's, I think that's like the most amazing thing in my life is that I can do something that is purpose-driven and actually helps people and hopefully makes people better. Work Workplaces are a system that because I've been working since I was like 11, I actually understand that system. And it's like the only system that it has pushed me out in a lot of ways but not the way school and education and all these other systems works just so completely inaccessible to me growing up. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to use what I know to make that a little bit better because we have, we have to, we have to work. We're, we're all stuck in capitalism. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all stuck in this capitalist nightmare and we can't get out. And so we've got to make it better because it is where we are. Yeah. A few moments ago, a friend shared in the chat, Juliet and Maddie shared that Neurotribes is a good book. The author goes into this sort of thing about techie people being autistic or autistic. So that's a a resource for folks to check out. I don't know who the author is. I'll have to look it up. That's Steve Silberman. Ooh, there you go. I was like, I know that. I love that. I've I've got a copy of that one that Steve sent me. (laughs) That's so cool. Did Steve sign it? Yes. That's so that sweet. is definitely a book that is going to be like traveling with me from place to place. <laughs> Just like your Those sparkly wand. Yes. Like yes. I'll have neuro tribes in my stimmy wand forever. <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay. Two more questions. Can you share a moment of gender euphoria? Probably the most recent one is that cartoon filter on TikTok that will draw you like a Disney character and you click it back and forth and it'll flip between two very binary gender images. I will say it's always that, but it's, oh my gosh, this is like so awesome. I think I was goofing off with it earlier today. It's like, I can make me have the the more air quote boy face, boy face, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> I was like, I love this filter. I just want to sit and take pictures of myself with this filter. <laughs> so embarrassing. That's so fun though. I always, this is always my answer, but I have my little Zoom beard on right now, which you can only see when I'm in Zoom. It's so so awesome though. So that's when I was in the just chatting screen, I didn't have my little beard. It is so awesome and I love it so much. And Mm -hmm. it's the magic of filters and technology, right? (laughs) Oh, or the red green filter on TikTok. It's the same thing where it's like you blink and it flips back and forth between the two binary genders. And it gives you like I had did a video of it. I was like, I had this awesome like beard. I was like, oh, my gosh, look at that. Mm -hmm. I have a beard. (gasps) Yes. But they're always binary. That's something yeah. that bothers me a little bit because it's like there's always, but I don't know. I don't know how they would do it and not make it binary. Maybe make the like outfits customizable so you can choose if your face is more mask or femme, but you can like layer a makeup layer on top and not have or, the make- makeup attached to femme. Yes, I need a beard and some eyeliner. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's so great. Some, somebody oh invented. A beard and eyeliner. That's what we need in a filter. Guy liner filter. But... Eyeliner, yes. Capybara has a follow-up question. Does neurotribes go far enough into the undiagnosed autism traits that many women experience? Oh, goodness, it's been a while since I read that. What might be a good one if you're looking for a specific women experience? There's one called, I think it's Women from Another Planet. 
And it's actually one that my, the psychologist who diagnosed me recommended when I was first diagnosed, like they recommended autistic voices. Thank goodness when I was finding out I was autistic because we might be in a very different place if they hadn't. But that one had a collection of stories of, I don't know, a lot of different women at different ages in their lives and at different like places, I guess, around the spectrum with mm -hmm. how their different needs are. So that was really nice to see. And being someone that's AFAB or who identifies with the, the woman's autistic experience, because I know a lot of men even that say, I, I fit more with what that stereotypically is defined as women's autism, which is like, like we could have a whole episode just talking about the perils of gendering autism. Oh my gosh. It could be an hour or more, like really easy <laughs> to get into that. Because I think I fit more like stereotypical, like little boy autism growing up mm -hmm. what about non-binary people <laughs> my 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 wife talks about she was realizing she was autistic and then really she had more of the quote-unquote female autism symptoms instead of the masculine ones and that's how she figured out she was trans oh yeah was true. like abc oh my gosh like galaxy brain goes here it was just it was part of that whole process for her yeah yeah, how much of the transness is autism and how much of the autism is transness and oh no, I don't know. Can't separate it. I can't. All right. I know that you have things to go do in 12 minutes, so I'm going to ask my last question and then just check if there's any more resources you wanted to share. But what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary slash trans issues? I want people to know more than anything we talked about earlier that your relationship with your gender or anything, your sexual orientation, your neurodivergence, that is your relationship. It is unique to you and it is going to look different for every single person and there's not a right or a wrong way to be queer or trans or non-binary or autistic or neurodivergent or anything else. I think that's like something we have a lot of pressure. It's just like with being non-binary, people are like, oh, you have that non-binary look, but it's like there really isn't a look for non-binary. Like people have expectations mm -hmm. that non-binary or trans is all one way or that autistic people are all one way or ADHDers are all one way mm -hmm. and so for those of us who are like multiply marginalized we have so many expectations coming from us from all directions all the time and we need to like really try to learn to put a lot of that aside and listen to ourselves and ask is this something I'm really doing for me and for myself or is this something I'm doing for the sake of other people and that, once I started like guiding using that as the guiding thing for my life when I found out I was autistic then it was like that question you know first started as an autism question but then it became a gender question because I was like oh I'm performing femininity for other people not myself oh gender crisis but it was like I was doing so many things in my life that were just really to make myself invisible or make myself what I thought I was supposed to be and when I was doing that I was really not happy. I was really miserable. My mental mm -hmm. health was bad. And then your mental health is bad. Your physical health goes downhill too. And the best thing I've done was like starting this journey to learn how to actually love myself. Because when I found out I was autistic five years ago, I was not in a place where I even knew how to love myself. I had a lot of compassion for other people and zero for myself. Zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah. develop some self-compassion. A lot of us don't have self-compassion. I've met so many autistic people who are way too hard on themselves. So many neurodivergent people who are way too hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. Trans people too. Like totally. we're so dang hard on ourselves. Love yourself. That is it. Like you have to learn to have some self-compassion for yourself. Gosh, because otherwise it's a dark place to be. Yeah. Love yourself. Yes. Set yourself some slack. It's yes. gonna be okay. It is okay. Don't talk to yourself. Don't say things to yourself in your head that you would never say to someone else. Are you talking to yourself ugly? Like you'd never mm -hmm. say that to another living mm -hmm. soul? Because I would call myself things and I would never call another person. Like, why are you? Why are we meaner to ourselves than we are to other people? We shouldn't totally. mean to anybody. Totally. Especially yourself. I, um, I tweeted a reminder because honestly, it was something that I needed to hear that day. But I was like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but... 
you don't have to have a perfectly clean house. It will never happen. Oh, yeah. And like progress, not perfection. And don't beat yourself up the rest of the time. Yes. What's the point of having a clean house if you beat yourself up to get there? Like, you don't actually yeah. get to be. The other thing that I told a friend recently that they found really notable was what if everything was already okay? Okay. What if you just existed in a state of being where everything was just already okay? Yeah, there's stuff coming up on the horizon, but what if everything was already okay? Nice. And that seemed pretty, I don't know, powerful for them. It doesn't mean don't tend to your responsibilities and whatever. And it's not necessarily don't worry, which is not helpful. <laughs> like mm -hmm. oh, for me, someone with anxiety, please. like telling me don't worry is like, the worst? I have, I have no guarantees that the things I'm worried about are not going to happen. Mer. <laughs> yeah, don't. Like, that is the worst thing. Or calm down. Mm-hmm. Like, them's fighting words right there. <laughs> yeah. But there's something different about, for me at least, the thought experiment of what if everything was already okay? What does that I look like, like that. or mean? Yeah. No. This has been so fun. I could talk forever and we need to make sure you get to dinner on time. Thank you so much for being on the show. We have your links have been posting in the chat, but I'll make sure we say them out loud right here. So if anyone is interested in the wonderful offerings of Neurodivergent Rebel, aka Lyric, there is NeurodivergentRebel.com and NeurodivergentConsulting.org. And if you visit either of those websites, you can find all of Lyric's various social media outlets. I know for me, I found you through Facebook, which is cool, but you also have a couple more. Do you feel like mentioning them in this moment here? Yeah, I'm everywhere really on social media as Neurodivergent Rebel. The only exception to that is Twitter because it was too many characters. So that is Neuro Rebel, Neuro Rebel words. <laughs> but I'm everywhere. I'm really easy to find. If you Google me, you can't miss me really. Yeah. Just look for the, the green hair and the spectacular sense of fashion. Oh, goodness. Thank you. <laughs> all the genders. You're like, fashion, I will have all the genders. It's so great. I love it so much. I'm going to take a moment here to guide the raid, and then we can have our little brief checkout conversation, and you can get to dinner on time. Perfection. Hooray. Thank you so much for being my guest. Everyone in the Twitch chat has really loved seeing you, and yeah, it's just been such a pleasure. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's, this has been fun. So I, I appreciate the opportunity. Yay. Okay. Thank you so much.